Shoyo. And I'm Nicole. And this is a different tech where two black women talk tech. How are you, Nicole? Doing well. I'm revived after the holidays. Yes. A lot of fun. Just having some days off, some Christmas cheer, Christmas trees, all that fun stuff. And I'm still on PTO. And that's always very enjoyable. So <laughs> I have another week until I have to go back to work. How was your holiday? It's good. It's been like family filled, um, very small, just my immediate family, because, you know, we're in a pandemic, but um, it's felt really good. It just felt nice to kind of recenter and refocus and just get a break from being in like the New York City area and just trapped <laughs> in my apartment, basically. <laughs> Um, and warm weather, which is really nice as well. Oh, I'm jealous. I'm just from cold areas and live in cold areas, so. <laughs> <laughs> Always have a coat on me. All right. I mean, gotta stay coated. Yeah. <laughs> so, Nicole, you and I both went to college, um, and we both got a job right after college. So, what were you looking for when you were on the job hunt that junior, senior year life? <laughs> Honestly, just looking for a job. <laughs> was an extremely picky. I also was never a person who thought I had to go to Google or Facebook or I just didn't matter. Um, so I really looked at a lot of jobs, places I interned at. Would I want to work there again? Honestly, my major goal for my first job was to get to New York City. Or a city I wanted to live in, uh, like some places were in the suburbs or in states I wasn't too interested in. I kind of had that as my major criteria, interviewed based on that. How about you? Did you have any special criteria? Did you want to be near family or anything like that? Absolutely not. I had no criteria. Um, I was so ready to be done with college and school and academia in general that I was just ready to for any job that would take me, honestly. Like, um, and I was able to get luckily interned my junior year summer, and I just went with the company. Like, they offered me a full time offer. I went with it because I really didn't know what I wanted to do when I started trying to put into Google like other jobs. I was like, well, what kind of job do I really want? And I was like, let me just take this. I, I really liked New York City because uh, that's where my internship was in that summer. So I knew that I would like to live there versus on the West Coast. I've never been there before. And I had like no real idea of what living there would be like. So I was probably more for being on the East Coast than being on the West Coast. But that was it. I just needed a place that would pay me um, and allow me to kind of live the way I wanted to live because I knew I wanted to live by myself and I knew that I I didn't have a good concept on what budgeting was at the time, but I knew that I wasn't trying to have my rent be more than one of my paychecks, <laughs> at least. Um, and that was kind of it. So I was like, all right, the money looks good. Um, I really liked the people that I was working with during my internship. So might as well go with that option. I actually found my first job from going to a conference, uh, specifically Grace Hopper. Wow. That happens every year. Obviously not this year. But when I went, it was in Houston. Now they have it in Florida, or it switches around every other year. 
but it's mm-hmm. this large conference for women technology. They have panels, but the main draw is the career fair where basically every company you can think of is there. And there are huge, insane booths for companies like Google, like the ones that have money. People will bring in cars and all this crazy stuff. And there are recruiters there. I talked to a lot of people about resumes. I was in my business casual outfit with my dress pants, which I feel like I'm never in. Um, but just talking to a lot of companies, giving resumes out. I was very lucky that I got interviews with a couple companies and one company really spoke to me. And I interviewed from my college dorm room, got the job and I think January. So I was, I knew where I was going after graduation pretty early, which is great. I just had to finish the school year out. I think conferences are really good. Um, I was really actively involved in NSBE, National Society of Black Engineers, and they always had a big career fair at the national convention. Um, And that's where a lot of my friends got jobs. I always ended up having some sort of internship or job before the national conference, but that people were getting jobs left and right, which is really good and really cool to see. So I definitely think conferences are a great way to land jobs and also get to meet other people and network with other people as well, like you mentioned. What was it that like drew you to the company? Being in New York was a huge one. The people seemed very nice that I interviewed with. Definitely wasn't a company I thought of beforehand, but liked what they were doing like the people that I interviewed with liked the recruiters where they were pretty prompt and kept me updated. You? Yeah, I felt, I, I realized that early in my college career that I really liked combining multiple things together, like multiple disciplines. So I was definitely drawn to companies that needed software engineers, but that wasn't their primary focus or like tech wasn't their main focus I guess so like I interned at like a finance company and I was really like oh it could be cool to know about finance and be in that space and I get to be a software engineer in that space and my internship before my junior year internship was also at a finance company so I was like oh like this makes sense this works um it feels right and that's kind of really kind of what I went from from there and I also got the job offer before I even started my senior year. And once I got that, I was like, I'm chilling. Like (laughs) I had classes maybe Tuesdays and Thursdays. I watched so much Netflix. All of my friends and my roommates were like, are you even really a student? And I was like, no, (laughs) I'm not. My GPA was probably the highest that had ever been because I was taking like 12 credits every semester. And so we're both no longer at our first jobs. And so... I guess my question, what kind of started having you like look like what made you kind of start looking for a new job? Because there's always this thing that millennials move jobs all the time or whatever. There is some truth to it. But I also think on the other side, one, a lot of these companies that we're working for haven't really been here that long in retrospect. And two, I think we're just more able to kind of know what we want out of life more. And we all want different things and staying at a company for like 20 years isn't necessarily the thing that people want. But also I feel like, at least for me, like I value stability. Like I think that if I am happy somewhere, I'm not going to go somewhere else 
just for the sake of going somewhere else, you know? So what, yeah, like what kind of started having you like, oh, like, let me look. Yeah. So when I started, it was pretty shaky. I think within a month of me starting there, they had a round of layoffs. Oh, wow. And that's horrifying when you're just entering the workforce and you're seeing large departments being let out the door. So I started paying attention to, okay, the finances don't seem to be that great. And I had a friend who somehow had contacts in HR. So she always had inside information. She's like, yeah, it's not doing well. Like there are rumors are going to be layoffs. So as soon as I heard that, I was looking for jobs. Um, and I would encourage people who are in situations with unstable companies to look out for more opportunities earlier than later. And I was actually right to look for jobs because there was a second round of layoffs and I was prepared from interviewing when my friend told me about the impending layoffs. So mine wasn't a situation where I didn't like being there. It was just, it was very unstable and you're always worried, like, will there be layoffs today? And a lot of perks were eliminated because obviously you're trying to save money. CEOs were leaving. It was a revolving door. A lot of people were leaving where the people were great. Like, I love them. But <clears throat> the company as a whole was kind of a mess. So I thought it was just time to go. And I hope that it wasn't your experience at your first job where it's like you had yeah, to Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little that extreme. Yeah, that definitely wasn't my experience, thankfully. Although we did have a year, like we knew every year that they, people were going to get laid off. Um, but you're kind of protected your first year because you just started. Uh, so they don't really lay you off. And when you're more junior at the company, unless you're like really bad, they don't really lay you off because you're cheaper <laughs> compared to people who are more senior at the company. So we all knew when the layoffs were happening and it's definitely an eerie feeling to watch people walk in that day thinking that everything is normal and then be gone by 10 a.m. with like no warning, no vibes. Like I remember I saw one guy come in, make his tea, like his regular morning routine, and then he got laid off and cup was still warm you know from the tea that like it's very eerie very shaky but I think for me I'm someone who when I think of what really makes me feel fulfilled in my career it's the ability to learn new things and to feel like in everything that I'm doing I'm growing and I'm learning on a technical level and I started realizing my last year like my last year at the um company because I was there for three years and I was kind of like I'm not learning anything new um I felt like I maintained the same like personal connections and interpersonal connections and I, I like to think of myself as someone who's like very agreeable and can get along with a lot of people so talking to different people and navigating different relationships wasn't difficult for me but the part that I really wanted to make sure I was having was growing myself technically and really growing myself as like a technical professional. Because when I look at my, when I want to, in the future, when I'm looking back at my career, I want to feel like every year I'm learning something new. And every year it's like a build upon of what I was doing the year before, as opposed to just kind of me doing the same thing year after year. because. 
two people can have seven years of experience, but if you only have one year of experience seven times, or if you're actually growing every year, like that's a whole different ball game. You know what I mean? And I knew I wanted to be on the latter end of that ball game. So I started kind of, and I also went to, um, cause we have like a lot of events where we would learn about what other teams are doing and things like that at work. And I remember going to one and I was with one of my friends and she was like, that sounds like a lot like what we're doing on my team, <laughs> on her team. And then I said, that sounds like a lot of what we're doing on my team. And I realized at that moment that like, I need a new job because we're all doing the same thing. Like the tech stack may be different a little bit, but generally we're all doing the same stuff. And I wanted to feel like I'm in an environment that could really challenge me and allow me to grow as a software grow in the software engineer way that I wanted to, which is someone who's constantly learning, constantly evolving, um, constantly having opportunities to like work with other people and really dive into some really big technical problems that scare me a little bit. Was there a day where it hit you, I need to leave, or it was more of a gradual thing? Yeah, it was a day. (laughs) I feel like I, so my birthday was, I turned 25 a couple years ago um and I went to Spain and Morocco for my birthday and sometimes when I travel I come back and have this very like revelation basically (laughs) you had you pray love moment basically like once I turned 25 I think everything just made sense like everything just kind of hit me like I kind of finally knew what I wanted to do (laughs) or like at least had a good idea of like what I needed and um And I just, it just hit me like, wow, like I need to get a new job. I can't see myself being in this exact same seat in 2020, 2020. Yeah. In 2020. And if I am, then that means I'm doing a disservice to myself. And it's like, once you know that you need to do something, like you have to take action because you have, at least in my opinion, you have no one else to blame but yourself. And so from that moment, that's when I started really like interviewing or like accepting like uh, opportunities to interview and things like that or learn more about different companies. And I knew I wanted to work for like more on a consumer tech space because I felt like that's where a lot more of the problems that would be like more interesting and like more uh, challenging would be as opposed to working at a company where you're kind of building software with specific intended behavior. Like you're not really building software to handle error <laughs> that someone would maybe potentially do. Did you ever think of moving teams instead of moving out of the whole company or you were just done with the company as a whole? So at the time it was my second team um, that I had been on at the company. So at that moment, I kind of already knew what it was. Um, like, I don't think that there was going to be any other team that could really sell me on, like, something really exciting. And I also just know, like, and that's the thing, like, the thing about, like, anywhere, like, timing is very important. And I knew that I was supposed to get promoted at the company that year. And I knew that moving there was a certain window I had to really move to a new team and have that be still valid and I knew that if I wasn't hitting that mark then it's like I either suck it up and stay here for another 
year or whatever, or I move on to doing something else. And um, I just felt like it was time. Like, I, f- I like to leave things before I become bitter <laughs> is what I tell <laughs> I mean, people. that's a good life and tip, honestly. Yeah. So for me, it's like I can look back on my moments at my first company and be like, OK, wow, I had a good time before I got to the point where I'm like, y'all are literally driving me insane <laughs> and I hate it here and no one else should work here. So that was kind of that was kind of it for me. So one thing I definitely realized while interviewing and stuff is like a lot of times your success within the hiring process has some portion of how you put forth but also a lot to do with what a company is looking for like I've had I was interviewing at a company one time and I had to do like a coding challenge and I did it right and I got along with the person who interviewed me like we had a good rapport but I didn't get to make it to the next stage because they felt that they that they needed someone who was better equipped to help them get to their next level which was kind of scaling their company that went to me too where I had an interview and they're like oh this is great but then they came back and said hey you did great but our priorities have changed we're looking for someone more senior where again Mm -hmm. there's nothing I could have done It's just, I mean, it's really annoying when it happens. Companies change their minds all the time, especially if they're startups where did they get funding or is there an urgent need? Did someone leave instead of a big company where usually um, staffing is pretty much set for the quarter or year? Yeah. I also think also if you're interviewing for a company where that office isn't the headquarters, then that can also be very tricky because they might have to kind of circle back with the headquarters to make sure that they have budget (laughs) in order to actually hire you as well. Um, So yeah, it's, it can be very discouraging. It can also be very frustrating, especially when it's like you, you asked me to interview, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, why is it that all of a sudden now it's like, not, I'm not good enough, you know, but how did you find interviewing again? Cause for me, I remember being like, what am I doing? <laughs> I don't know how to interview. Oh, I hated it. Every year in college, preparing for the internship interviews and then graduating and having multi-round interviews at multiple companies. And I think uh, software engineering is pretty unique in how the interview process is notoriously awful, where you have to study just to get a new job. And people write books for tech interviews. I have it, Cracking the Code interview. Probably uh, your software engineer, you've at least heard of it or you've used it. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of annoying because I've used maybe two things I've learned in college and I've never had to reverse a binary tree or any of those weird questions in my day job. The interview process doesn't seem the most accurate in regards to who will actually do the job well. It just maybe who can study the best. Or who knows these concepts. Or of course you need like base level knowledge. But if you're making web pages all day, um, red black trees aren't as relevant. Again, grueling interview process where there are phone interviews. And if you pass that, you're in person. Some companies do take homes where you have a few hours or a few days to do a project on your own time. There are things like hacker ranks where you're answering questions to even get to the next round. It's just, it's just a lot. I got to the point where 
I'm like, this is really tiring. And luckily I got a job. Uh, I got a couple offers, but the interview process is just so bad that <laughs> it can make you kind of think twice about leaving because maybe you don't want to do that prep again. How is your process? And do you have a copy of Cracking the Code interview on your bookshelf? <laughs> I do not. I have the PDF version, though. <laughs> <laughs> that also makes its rounds. <laughs> um, so, yes. Um, and now I have the, like, the data intensive applications book as well, which I think is another common book that people read if you want to learn about systems design and things like that. Those are those fun questions. Like I always like those I, where they're like design yeah. Instagram. I can say, oh, well, here's where I use yeah. Redis. <laughs> I can do I can do that, but telling me to like traverse a linked list, I'm like, why? <laughs> like, why am I doing this? This isn't relevant. And I had one interview one time where someone asked me to, like, give them, like, the runtime, like, the big O notation. It was something that was so foundational to, like, CS that I know that I knew when I was, like, in college, (laughs) but I, like, had no idea. And I was like, why are you asking me this? Like, I just got so irritated because I was like, I don't know. And, like, I was so, it was so annoying to me because I... I saw this I saw this tweet that was like making software engineers do a whiteboarding interviewing whiteboard interview is the same thing as evaluating a marathon runner on their 5 minute treadmill performance. Oh. It's a good one. And I was like that is very spot on cuz I'm like me telling you like to do this whiteboard thing I don't think is very helpful for either of us because we won't be doing this so I just I feel like it's not it's just not helpful and I I know a lot of people who stay at jobs that they don't really like because they don't want to put themselves out there to try to interview again I love the more collaborative interviews where either you bring your own code sample and you just go over it with them or you work on something there that's more relevant to what you're doing day in day out like, I'm mm-hmm. not writing a linked list because there are libraries that exist. <laughs> and if I needed a linked list, I could easily use that. Or if I want to influence mm-hmm. a stack. Or, of course, you need to know what they are. So when that circumstance arises, you can use them. But you don't just start from square one all the time, which makes it not congruous to what you actually do in your job. Like, reg- uh, relating to that marathon runner quote you just said the creator of homebrew if you use that on your mac right um how can i explain it like a package manager he said that he couldn't get hired at google because he failed a question about i think flipping a binary tree or reversing it this is a guy who's written a very popular application that's used by millions of people probably used by a lot of people at google just because he couldn't solve that question, he couldn't be hired. So you are missing a lot of great candidates. Or I mean, if you really want to do a whiteboard interview, I guess that's your prerogative. But there are a lot of great people who can code, but will fail those whiteboard interviews. Yeah, it's so discouraging, honestly. And especially hearing people, regardless of level, all feel the same like whether you're more junior whether you've been in the industry for like 20 years like 
everyone feels the same way about tech interviews and how horrible or like frustrating they can be. And I always like like the fact that when it comes to at least having your resume, like I don't really have to tailor my resume to a specific company. Like I can just be like, this is what I've done. This is where my experience lies. If you like it, cool. If you don't like it, that's also cool. I can move on to somebody else where, but then you have to, then they like it. And now you're making me like jump through hoops just to prove my abilities. It's weird because a lot of other careers, for instance, if you're a marketer, they're not going to say, oh, create a marketing concept from beginning to end for our customer. That's your interview. It's just, what did you do in the past? You have examples of work. Tech is very unique where it's just kind of like quiz questions in the interview. And your past experience gets you through the resume phase. But when you're interviewing, really, it's what you can answer that day. Oh, I remember one time, actually, I was interviewing, and this was when I was in college, and this interviewer asked me some question and I didn't know the answer to it. Um, and I went back and Googled. And I Googled it and learned that that question is literally the worst question that you can ask someone. Because the only way that you would know the answer to the question is if you've heard the question before. Like, otherwise, there's no other way that you would just, like, know to do that. It was something about a link list. Yes, I remember. If anyone out here gets this question, <laughs> the here, here's the answer. So it was like a tortoise. It was like the rap, the tortoise and the hare problem where it's like you have a link list. It's a circular link list. Basically, you're trying to figure out how you would know it was a circular link list. And the answer is basically you have two counters, one that's going one at a time and then another one that's doubling that. And if they end up ever touching each other, then you know that it is a circularly linked list. Oh, I got that too. This is Floyd's algorithm, right? I think so. Oh, yeah, that's one thing that stumped me. Yeah. It stumps everyone because it's, it's no one knows. <laughs> yeah, a lot no of these questions knows. are if you got them before practicing on your own or another interview or you got something similar where you kind of have a foundation. But a lot of these questions, if you don't even know what's being discussed, you're not going to come up with the answer in an hour. Which is really discouraging. And I think that like if you were a recruiter or exec at a tech company, how would you suggest evaluating talent as knowing that they'd be because some companies make this argument where it's like either a we have no other way to we're trying to be fair to everyone and we have no other way of evaluating everyone unless we give everyone this specific type of problem i've also heard that like some companies some of the fang companies kind of their thought process is like well so many people want to work here, so we might as well have some rigorous process to kind of vet and weed people out. But in your opinion, what is the best way? It really depends on what the job is, where if, if you're getting a job working in algorithms, I guess in academia, it makes sense to have those questions or you're working on databases where you need that specialized knowledge, like that definitely should be tested. But if it's something where you're working on a website, which is probably what 90% of 
tech jobs. <laughs> I like the approach of the take home, even though, again, that's annoying because if you have family, obviously you don't want to work after work trying to complete something, but you can talk over your solutions. There's a lot more leeway where if you can explain why you did something, maybe you can convince the people to take your side and you're showing people how you're going to work with them and how you'd be as a teammate and what technical decisions you make. Like, are you trying to optimize things? And you can test kind of base level algorithmic knowledge through these, but you're not asking off the wall questions like inverting a binary tree, which I don't think we'll ever run into that question in our careers. Um, and if we do, it's, you can just Google it. But do you make a good point about Google and Facebook, et cetera, where you've everyone, their mom applying? And obviously you can't interview everyone because that would just be too many resources. Or maybe you do need more rigorous processes for those. But for startups or run-of-the-mill web apps, I don't really think you need that rigorous process. How about you, uh, C- uh, CTO Shoyo? What is your process? Hmm. I think it would depend on, I would want to look at the applicant and see where they're coming from to figure out the best way to evaluate how they would solve problems. For example, coming out of college, testing me on data structures and algorithms is helpful because at that point, what do, what else do I know besides data structures and (laughs) algorithms? Like essentially you're testing me on things that I'm learning in school. And because this is what I'm learning in school, theoretically, I should be able to solve that, right? As a new grad, testing me on that information makes sense. If you're coming in as an experienced hire, I think I would want to know more about the problems you solve and more of the intricate details surrounding the projects that you've solved. And if you can really speak to them in a way that I feel like would help and value the organization in which I'm in, you know, without giving too many like business secrets or anything. But like, I think if you ask me to explain why I built something at a company or why I did something, because I've, I can, I can tell you that, you know what I mean? Like I can give you that experience and I can, it demonstrates one, can you communicate with people? Two, do you have the technical understanding of why you were doing what you're doing? And three, what role did you play? in making sure that got done. Um, So I think, like, if you're an experience, I think it's that. Um, I think if you're, like, a boot camp grad, for example, and maybe you didn't learn, like, specific, like, data structures, algorithms, whatever, or if you were only knowledgeable in, like, a specific language that we weren't working in our stack, like, because that's another thing. I feel like some people think that you have to have the exact languages for the company in which you are trying to go for, which you don't. Um, I did not have any language knowledge, knowledge, like at my job now I'm coding in React and PHP. I did not have any PHP knowledge before getting my job and it all worked out fine. So that's just a random tidbit. But do they know their language well? Because if you know whatever language you know very well, I guarantee you that they can they will be able to know their like like whatever language that you use in house they'll be able to figure it out and the expectation is that they would figure it out um so 
Yes. I think in summary, I would evaluate it on a case by case basis based on what I felt that someone should know based on the level in which they are at. I also saw an interesting GitHub repo where it lists all the companies that don't do whiteboard interviews, mm. which uh, anyone's looking might be a good place to look. You just cannot handle those interviews <laughs> like most of us. Yeah, I, we maybe we'll link it in the show notes yeah, for people I'll try if to people find are it. curious. Yeah. All right, so our question of this week is, what are some tips that you have for someone looking for their first job or their second job as a software engineer? I would say for your first job, it's probably the time of your career where you'll have the most competition because it's new grads, bootcamp grads, et cetera. And there's, you don't have as much power, but you still do have some because obviously they're hiring for your position. Something to make you stand out is either A, to have internships. So I interned every summer while I was in college. And personal projects is a big one. Also school clubs. So if your school has a computer science club, if you're in college, or maybe you, there are meetup groups in your city. So it's great to go to those and just show yourself as being involved in the community and doing projects. I know it's to be huge projects. I remember one of my projects in college was I made a laundry charge tracker because to do laundry, they gave the whole apartment a card and we all had to use that card and we never knew who had to pay back who, who spent what money. So I made an app that we could use to record, okay, she went and did her laundry this day and spent this much money and these people need to settle up. So just things that can help you in your daily life. I also made like a silly quote app, I think my freshman year, where every day just gave you a new inspirational quote where it was very silly. But (laughs) again, you don't have to have a a huge project. But also a big thing is negotiating, where you can negotiate at any point in your career. We don't think, oh, I'm just a junior. I don't have any leeway to negotiate. I negotiated my first job and I got increased stock options. So always go in negotiating, know your worth and all that fun stuff, all the inspirational jazz. But for your second job on, where you do have a resume of completed projects and you do have more leeway, definitely ask yourself what job would make you happy. Like maybe you want to be in a business type that you really care about, like, oh, you like fashion. So you want to look for financial companies or you like finance or music where you can really zoom in to what companies appeal to you. Or maybe it's a company with a charitable cause. Also, you can ask about your networks. I think your friends and colleagues are going to be probably the most truthful people to tell you how companies really going to be when you join. And if you're someone who really wants to be on the new wave and you really want to be a startup millionaire looking into promising companies that way. I mean, I'm not really a startup person. I'm scarred from my first job, but definitely think when you move on in your career, you have more options and you can really find a company that is the best for you instead of a company that, you know what, they gave me an offer, like this looks good. What advice would you give 
Yeah, I think pretty similar to you. I think don't stress so much about where you work first because you can always adapt and pivot later on in terms of what type of company you wanted to work for. Um, I didn't start working at a tech company and now I do work at a tech company. So you can make those moves if that's what you want to do. Um, So I think focus on trying to get your first job and learn as much as you can, try as many different things as you can. And then for your second job on, one, network with people, because not only just to get like the opportunity to interview, but also network to know what it's like to work at that company, especially if you're black, (laughs) Um, because that will be very key into terms of your quality of life and overall happiness at said company. I would also remember Remind yourself of what you didn't like about your old company and make sure you put that in the forefront of your next company that you're looking for. So if you are like, oh, like I just had like a really bad manager or I didn't really like the team that I was on, making sure that you know that who your manager is and making sure that you have that great of a relationship with your manager Um, because you can kind of like shift those things out before you sign an offer like you can ask those questions of like who am I reporting to um and then also looking into like what does career growth look like does it is it a lot of sameness is it a lot of um opportunities to kind of do different things and knowing have a general idea of how you want to grow your career like if you know that you want to eventually go into management, for example, is there an opportunity or a pathway to do that? If you know you want to just be an IC, is there an opportunity and a pathway to kind of do that without kind of being forced into management? Um, So yeah, that's kind of my advice is just kind of know what you didn't like and make sure that you put that in the forefront of when you're looking for a new job, because otherwise you're just going to end up doing, being in the same situation again, which isn't helpful for anybody. And also due diligence about the company and their financial health. Mm. Or of course, if you ask them, they're not going to be like, girl, we're broke. But reading, well, if they're publicly traded, reading uh, financial magazines, like, is this company Mm. doing well enough? Like, will it be around? Another one is look at the benefits because it's not just salary your benefits are also a large part of your compensation package where you can negotiate mm-hmm. for maybe like more learning and development budget or more PTO and looking at the healthcare plan. How much are the premiums? Are there premiums at all? It's just those smaller costs that aren't necessarily like you're getting paid X amount a year, but combine to become the whole picture of the job. That's a good point. And also, to your point about startups, one question you can ask startups is, like, how much runway do they have? Because that would let you know, do, is it the end of the year, this is it, and they're still trying to raise <laughs> to kind of continue on? Or do they have, like, if we made no more new money this year, how long could we last, basically, um, for all the startup-y people types out there? This concludes this episode. Um, make sure you're following us on Instagram and Twitter at a different tech and make sure you're submitting your questions to a different tech at gmail.com. We'll see you next week. Bye.